What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show on a violent gentleman Thursday, March 5th, 2015. That's right, every Thursday, presented by Violent Gentlemen. Make sure you go to violentgentlemen.com today to order some of the hottest t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene. From the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentlemen honors the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport. Violentgentlemen.com. My Violent Gentlemen guest spot today is Anaheim Ducks forward Matt Bolesky. Matt Bolesky, who is having a breakout season, 21 goals in 56 games. He is currently out of action with a shoulder injury, but we caught up with him this morning on the Skype phone line, and uh, we talked a little bit about his season, his team season, his team's goalie situation, and which brought us to then what happened with that crazy goalie situation in Florida the other night, where Luongo gets hurt, and then Montoya comes in to replace him. He gets hurt. You have to have the goalie coach in uh, Rob Tallis dress on the bench. Luongo comes back in to replace Montoya. It was a crazy situation, uh, and we talked a little bit about that because the Anaheim Ducks right now, with a win last night over the Canadiens, they have the most wins in hockey uh, and they've done so really because they have not just one goaltender, but two goaltenders that give them a shot to win every single night. Their goalie, Johnny Gibson, last night with 37 saves. Frederick Anderson is back in the fold for them as well. So we talked about that with Matt Pileski. Uh He joined me earlier on the Skype phone line. I'll play that in just a few moments. But here's what I'm going to open the show up today with. It's NFL you know, the NFL, sometimes I get pissed off because the National Football League, it's a, tw- it's a 12-month season. It's 365, 24-7, 365. There's always NFL news, even when they're not in season. They have the, the combine. They have the draft. They have franchise tag deadline, which was Monday at 4 o'clock. They have uh, all these guys that are now, you know, going to guys who get cut or guys who potentially get traded and then free agent signings. The NFL is every single day there is some news, all right? Even if it's somebody that involves a college player going to the NFL, there's always something with the National Football League. That's the way they want it, and that pisses me off because I enjoy baseball, I enjoy hockey, and I enjoy the NBA. But there's a lot of times that the NFL tries to force storylines down our throat, and here in New England... You know, we're looking at the Patriots as the Super Bowl champs and as a team that, in my opinion, if you don't, if you haven't listened to the show before, I believe this is a Patriots team that has another shot to win another championship in the next one or two years, maybe next three years. So we're looking at this Patriots team and saying, what can they do to get back to the Super Bowl and then win it? You know, because you got to make moves. you got the salary cap issues that they have. Uh, you got some big-time players making big contracts. And the name that is here in New England that we keep talking about because he is set to become a free agent or at least test the free agent market on March 10th is Darrell Rivas, the best damn cornerback in football. And I thought that this would be something that would already be done, signed, sealed, and delivered uh, a long time ago, that they would lock Revis up to a multi-year deal, and they wouldn't have to deal with this shit right now. But that's not the case. The Patriots, today, the news, it, it's not specifically 
with Darrell Revis, but it does have something to do with him, at least I hope. The news out of the New England Patriots today is that Vince Wilfork is done. Vince Wilfork, done. He is no longer a member of the New England Patriots. He announced so on Twitter. And he basically took a picture of a note that he wrote. I actually don't even know what, I I don't know what program he was using to take this picture, but he did. He, He tweeted it out. And, um, you know, if you read it, he basically says that the Patriots did not pick up his option for this season, right? That he was making too much money. Now, I assume the Patriots went to Vince Wilfork and said, well, why don't we restructure? And I assume it's at that point where Vince Wilfork said, hey, listen, I just returned from an injury. I helped you guys win. Um, I've been taking pay cuts and restructuring my entire career here. I, I, I'm not going to do it this time. At least that's what I assume. If you're the Patriots, why wouldn't you ask Vince Wilfork to restructure if you think it's too high? You don't just cut him. You might as well at least try. And if you do at least try, well, Wilfork says, hey, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, it's clear that Wilfork still wants to play. Now, he's not, again, the news is that Vince Wilfork is no longer a member of the New England Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are not going to pick up his option for this season. And he says so. He says in his tweet, I was informed on Tuesday that the Patriots will not be picking up my option. But in this tweet that he sends out, which is a picture of a note that he wrote, he goes on to pump himself up and say, "Is he?" he says, am I done with football? No. He said, do I still love football? Hell yeah. Can I still play football? Hell yeah. He wants to play football still. He goes on to point out that he came back from injury to win a Super Bowl and help this team win a Super Bowl this year. He points all that stuff out. You know, this note that he sends out is as much a negotiation tool, I think, with other teams around the league uh, and a message to teams around the league to say, hey, I still got something left in the tank. Come get me. I think that has a lot to do with what's going on with Vince as well. Bottom line is he's no longer a member of the New England Patriots. Am I a Will Fork fan? Yes. Did I want to see him return to this team? Of course I did. But I'm not the one that's handling the salary cap, so it's easy for me to sit here and just bring everybody back. Obviously, you need to somehow uh, cut some salary somewhere in order to keep the best cornerback in football on the team. At least, or at least, I think that this not picking up Will Fork's option is the move that they're making in order to free up the cap space to sign Darrell Rivas to a long-term deal. I, I hope that's the, that's the reason, all right? Do I think Vince, the, the Patriots need Vince Wilfork? Well, I think they certainly could use him, and I think he's a great asset to this team. But as, as we saw two years ago, when Wilfork went down with an injury early, the Patriots went to the AFC Championship game. And sure, they didn't win that. They lost to Denver. But I think the issues arose... See, the, the, reason they didn't lose, the reason they didn't win that game, Aqib Tlaib, the Patriots cornerback at the time, went down with an injury. And that's when things fell apart. Peyton Manning started to go to Demarius Thomas. Alfonso Denner just couldn't cover him. And really, the last the, the two AFC championships before this year, when Aqib Tlaib was on the Patriots, both games he went down. The game against the Ravens, and then the game against the Broncos. And when he went down, things fell apart and the Patriots lost. So if you ask me what's the most important position on the Patriots defense, it's that shutdown, not just on the Patriots defense, in any defense really in the National Football League, it's the shutdown cornerback position.
And when the Patriots lost to Keep Tlaib, they upgraded. How many times can you say you lose a Keep Tlaib and then go out and upgrade at that position? That's what they did. But if you lose Darrell Rivas, there's no upgrading from Darrell Rivas. He's the best in the game, the best in the business. Now he's a businessman. So we're trying to figure out what he is going to do. Is he going to test the free agent market on March 10th, or is he going to come to an agreement with the Patriots? And are the Patriots going to give him what he wants? Me, if I'm the Patriots, I give him whatever the fuck he wants. All right, you need to bring him back. Revis, Browner, they need to be those guys to shut, th- to shut down corners. Now, Brown is a different beast. You know, he's a little more physical than Revis. He's a bigger cat. But at the same time, you know, he's still valuable on the other side of the field, right? Brown is still valuable. But, but look, make no mistake, Revis is the guy. If you're the Patriots and you want to have a chance to win a Super Bowl next year, you need to have that shutdown cornerback. So it's a no-brainer. you got to bring Revis back. And I'm assuming here that by not picking up Vince Wilfork's option, that is something that will free up some cap space in order for the Pats to bring Revis back. At least that's what I'm hoping. So did I like Wilfork? Yes. Did he do a nice job here? Absolutely. Um, Is he somebody, though, that the Patriots can win without? Well, if they bring Revis back, yeah, I think they can. I think they can. I know they didn't win a Super Bowl without him two years ago when they lost in the AFC Championship, but let's face it, they still got to the AFC Championship without Will Fork, and if you ask me, it wasn't, they didn't lose that game against the Broncos in Denver because Will Fork was on the sideline. They lost that game because Tlaib went down, and they lost their shutdown cornerback. What's more important for this Patriots team? To me, it's Revis, Revis, Revis. You do whatever you have to do to make sure Revis is in a Patriots uniform next season. So I hope that's what that means. Uh, Vince Wilfork was great for this community. He, he, he points out in this note that he puts on Twitter that he will forever be a Patriot. He will forever be part of, the, uh, of New England, of the city of Boston. And we will always uh, embrace him in this town. There's no question. I don't care where he signs. I don't care if he signs with the Jets or the Bills or the Dolphins. I don't care if he goes in the division. I I really don't. Go do what you got to do. Make your money. You deserve it. But right now, uh, as much as the Patriots would probably want to pay him, the bottom line is they can't. And there's a guy that they need to focus a little bit more on who they know at the end of the day is the most important key to this defense and winning another championship with Brady and Belichick still around. And that guy is Darrell Rivas. So I can only hope that the Patriots getting rid of Vince Wilfork today means that the next bit of news we hear is Darrell Rivas signing a multi-year deal to stay in New England. I can only hope that is the case. Uh, So that's the New England Patriots NFL news. The NFL news that was last night and into this morning, I mentioned the Broncos. Peyton Manning's going to take a pay cut, but, you know, let's pump the brakes on that because it's 4 mil, and if he wins the AFC Championship, he'll make $2 million in incentives, and if he wins the Super Bowl, you know, I, I believe he'll get another two, or it's something with the Conference Championship and the Super Bowl where he can make 4 mil and make that money back. Uh, but, uh, you know, look, it's a good move for the Broncos. Why not take one more shot with Peyton Manning as a quarterback, right? Why not? Why not take another shot? Before Peyton Manning got hurt last year, the Broncos were still one of the teams to beat. And, you know, for all the Broncos know, for all Peyton Manning knows, he comes back to Denver, he stays healthy all year, and he sees Revis go somewhere else, 
and that might even make the Broncos a better team than the Patriots. Uh, you know, because the, the Broncos, I think, had a defense that underperformed last year. They did. And, and, and I actually see the Broncos' defense being very good this season, or at least much better than they were last year. So I, I, I think that it's a good move for the Broncos to bring Peyton back. And uh, really, what's the alternative? Going out and trading for Matt Castle? Is that really what you wanted to do if you're a Denver Bronco fan? Because that's what the Bills had to do. Now, people try to tell me that, you know, E.J. Manuel is their quarterback of the future. Well, you might be right with that. You might be right. But here's what I know. He's not the quarterback for the right now. Or at least, I should say, I don't know when the future starts with E.J. Manuel and the Bills. I don't. It could start in week six. It could start in week eight. But I don't think it's going to start in week one. So you get Castle. That's a tough situation to be in because Castle is not a franchise quarterback. And you need a franchise quarterback to win in this league, right? So if you're a Bronco fan, you should be happy that you brought Peyton back because, let, you know, listen, the alternative here is not good. It is not good. I don't care if you brought LaShawn McCoy in. I don't care if you even if you're the Bills, you even want to go out and try to now trade for Brandon Marshall, who apparently is on the block. The Bears are exploring trade options for wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Hey, if I'm a Patriots fan here and just getting back to here, New England based, I don't want to see Bill Belichick go anywhere near this guy. This guy is nuts. Okay? Stay away from him. Please. Don't even bring him to Foxborough for an interview. And now, obviously you can't do that because he's he's not a free agent. But you get my point, right? Don't bring him anywhere near this place, uh, and I'll be okay with that. Let somebody else deal with Brandon Marshall and the, the circus that he certainly brings to Tom. So that's what's going on in the world to the NFL. Um, spring training rolls, rolls along. How, you know what they did on ESPN yesterday? Live footage of Alex Rodriguez's spring training at bats. They checked in. They didn't have the game on. They checked into the live feed from the Yes Network every time A-Rod was up at the plate. Really? Is Really? Is that what we're doing with the guy? Please. Uh, I don't need... It, it, that is not must-see TV. All right? I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're fucking Babe Ruth coming back from the dead and you have a spring training at bat. That's not... It, I don't need to see that on March 4th, which was yesterday. The live feed of that at bat. I don't need to see it. So... Uh, we'll let spring training play out, and we'll let some storylines play themselves out. I still think Cole Hamels is traded soon, and I think he's traded here to Boston, uh, but we'll wait and see. There is a baseball story I'm going to close the show out with, so stick around for that. I I promise it'll be entertaining because I have some strong words for the Toronto Blue Jays' top prospect. The Toronto Blue Jays' number one prospect. On ESPN, it says, meet Daniel Norris, the most interesting pitcher in baseball. Stick around after the break. I'm about to tell you how I feel about Daniel Norris. And I don't think he's the most interesting pitcher in baseball. That is not the phrase that I'm going to use to describe him. We'll tell you his story. It's on the front page of ESPN.com. And I will react to it. And, you know, if he ever hears it, he probably won't be happy. Because... Uh, I have I have some strong words after reading this story, and some strong emotions after reading this story, and I think you might too. You might too. 
But right now, I'm going to play the audio with Matt Bolesky, Anaheim Ducks forward once again every Thursday, a violent gentleman Thursday. Uh, so, it, it's, you know, it's always good to get some hockey talk because we just had the trade deadline Monday and, and teams are now moving on. And it's an exciting time in hockey and basketball because you start to really look at the, the standings and, and the playoff matchups and, and you get that, you know, that springtime playoff feel going in, e- in each sport. So it's an exciting time for those sports. Uh, and an exciting time for a guy like Mac Bolesky, uh, a kid who's having a career year and is about to come back from a shoulder injury. He joined me earlier on the Skype phone line. Uh, listen to this conversation, and then again, make sure you stick around afterwards to hear my final thoughts on the Toronto Blue Jays' number one prospect. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, joining me now on the Skype hotline, presented by Violent Gentleman. Go to violentgentleman.com today. I bring in Matt Bolesky, Anaheim Ducks forward. Uh, Matt, what's going on? How you doing today? Doing great. You guys? I'm doing good. Listen, tell me a little bit about how life is as an NHL player who is out of the lineup and injured. Right now you're dealing with a shoulder injury. Take me into the life of an injured professional athlete. What do you do? You go to the rink, uh, you do a lot of working out, because it's not every day, you know, here in the media, we get to talk to players who are actually injured while they're injured. Uh, bring me in, uh, take me in a little bit into the life of an injured NHL player. Uh, it makes for some long days, that's for sure. Uh, I usually start, you work out before you skate, go out and skate for 45 minutes. Of, luckily, I'm allowed to use pots now, but before, it's just a straight bag skate for 45 minutes, and uh, then it's off to rehab for uh, another hour and a half or so, and call it a day and head in for uh, the game at night if you play that night, so some days can be a little long, but still doing the thing I love, playing hockey, so it's not that bad. Yeah, what's your, what's your timetable looking like? Are you going to return to action soon, or do you not know that yet? Um, we haven't. I haven't had any contact yet, but hopefully I'm hoping a week in a bit would be, uh, would be perfect for me. Sounds good. Um, now, the trade deadline, it just passed, and I've had several players on the show the last couple weeks, guys who have been traded at the deadline, guys who haven't, and I guess I always tried to get into the mindset of somebody in the room during that time period. The trade deadline was Monday. Um, what was going through your head as that three o'clock deadline came up, and then after it passed? It's pretty, uh, pretty nerve-wracking couple of days there. Um, you know, being an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year and not having a contract going on the deadline it, uh, seemed a little more intense for me, for sure. Uh, I'm just really happy that I'm here, uh, here in Anaheim still for this playoff run we're going to have. It, you know, we made some great moves at the deadline. And, I think uh, the way our team looks right now, I'm, I'm really happy about being an Anaheim Duck, that's for sure. Do, do you hear the rumors, though? Because, I mean, back here in Boston, we had heard that potentially, you know, maybe you were coming to the Bruins. Uh, do you do players hear that stuff, and do you do you talk with other players in the room as, as you get closer to that deadline? Yeah, I, yeah, I heard that as well, actually. Um, yeah, you, you hear all the stuff. I think, you know, social media now and – the way they cover the trade deadline on TSN and everything, you, uh, you're you almost forced to watch it. It's pretty much the quickest way to find out you're traded. Those guys can somehow find out the poor player. So, uh, you know, that, uh, that's something you watch and just sit there and kind of cross your fingers and hope uh, you're not the next name called. 
But you mentioned free agent at the season's end. Um, is I mean, with the Ducks, this this is the place you want to be. That's the place you know you want to stay because let's face it, this is a big season for you. I know you're injured right now, but I mean, what? Twenty one goals uh, in fifty six games. I mean, I, I guess you could consider this a breakout NHL year for you. Uh, this is a big off season for you. But is is Anaheim top on your list? Yeah, definitely. I I really do want to stay here. I've never been never been anywhere else in my career and uh i i don't want to leave them and that's a great organization great team great group of guys and living in southern california is a, a nice way of life as well so it's, you know it's something we got to work on but hopefully uh we can figure it out and uh hey listen big win last night for your team uh, 42 wins now in the season most in the nhl team has 91 points uh you're getting some good goaltending here. John Gibson, 37 saves last night. You got Anderson back in the mix, right, after he was injured. Uh, you know, talk a little bit about those guys and I guess how comfortable you feel having two goalies that, you know, on any given night can stand on their head and save you a game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a really good feeling to have that, you know, that good competition and that between those two guys. They both work extremely hard and, uh, you know, it's, it's always nice when you know you got that goaltender back there, and you have no doubts in your mind uh, when guys are coming down on them. They've been they've been great all year. Freddie's been huge, and uh, it's nice to see Gibby back up here and playing really well. So we're definitely very confident in the, the goalie position. Well, you'd rather be in that situation you're in with your goalies than the situation the Florida Panthers were in the other night, right? Did you see that? What was going on with Luongo and Montoya? And then you had it. Rob Tallis even had the goalie coach had to dress on the bench. Did you see that? Did you get to uh, check that situation out? Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty interesting. We had, I think we've had we had Dwayne Rolson dress for us one time this season, but he uh, wasn't as close to him coming in like uh, they did. So. Uh, that was a pretty funny uh, situation for them. Why? Well, how did you uh, talk to us about that situation with Rollison? What happened there? I I'm trying to remember. I think uh, I think Gibby got hurt in warm up, and uh, then Freddie went in for the game, and I think we didn't have anyone to back up because Gibby hurt his groin at the beginning of the season, and uh, and Dwayne Rollison he he threw on the gear and. You know, I wouldn't have even been too upset to see him go in there. He strapped he it on the odd time of practice and still kick him out pretty good. It is do you, Now, in that situation, do you guys talk about, well, hey, what happens if someone else goes down who would then become the backup if Rollison had to go in? Is that something uh, that, that you actually talk about in the room? I, I think you just try and not think about that situation because uh, I'm not sure if too many guys want to hop in there with the goalie <laughs> gear on. Who would they you throw in? Who would, shot, so. who would you throw in? I'm going to make you the coach. You're going to have to You pick a goalie. Who would be going in? Who would you throw in that on your team if you had to put an emergency player in that situation? Wow. Um, that's a tough one. I think, uh, I think I'd probably go with maybe like a Kyle Palmieri. He's a pretty quick, uh, fiery little guy. And I think he's got some pretty good reaction time. He'd be my man in there, I think. I don't see the GMs are gonna address this, I guess, in the off season, and I don't really know what you do. And we, I was having this conversation actually with some people here in the studio before we came on the air, just talking about the Florida situation. And I think I read one thing where maybe they're gonna designate a, a, a goalie for each team that's gonna be in the building just in case. I mean, do players feel comfortable about something like that? And, and I guess if you had to decide what should be done, how how would you like them to handle that situation? 
I think that's probably the best idea because uh, I don't think any coach wants to throw a guy they're paying a, a good chunk of a salary in to play goalie for for a period or two. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that if you can have, I don't know, maybe a bench attendant or one of the guys just around the rank that's played hockey and been a goalie and just you know, kind of hire him on as that uh, extra backup plan might be a, might be a good idea. Speaking with Matt Bolesky, Anaheim Ducks forward. Now, Matt, back to your season. As I mentioned, you know, 21 goals in 56 games. You're injured now with a shoulder injury, but, uh, you, you know, you expect to be back soon. What's been different for you personally this year? You know, why is this the year where, where you have, you know, you score 21 goals? Is there something that you did differently in the offseason or something that you're doing differently this year when you were healthy? What's been different for you this season? Um, there's been a few things. In the summer, I was actually I was recovering from a groin injury, so I didn't, I didn't skate that often. And when I did, I just mostly worked on skills. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe that kind of helped out as well. You know, the confidence that the teams kind of put in me at the beginning of the year, I started off hot and I just kind of rolled with it. And, uh, you know, getting put in better situations and, you know, playing, uh, playing some more minutes, playing with Kessler for a good chunk of the season, uh, I think that helped me out a lot. Um, and that, that I'm just confidence. I think I'm, I'm shooting the puck more and, you know, having the confidence to go to those dirty areas and make the hard plays with the puck. And I think that's, that's the way that I need to play the game. And I think everyone needs to play with the, if you don't have that confidence, it's, uh, it makes the game too slow when you're second guessing yourself. So you just gotta be, gotta be confident in your plays and, uh, you know, make the plays with puck when you think that's the right thing to do. That's interesting, though, that you say, you know, the opportunity to play with Kessler, you know, and then you get some confidence from that. And I guess I'm not going to ask you to speak on this player, but here in Boston, we're looking at a guy that the Bruins just acquired in Brett Conley, a kid who's got all the talent in the world. You're looking for him to really uh, put it together. You know, he was a sixth overall pick in the 2010 draft. And I always look at certain guys and I, I say, I think that if this player, or player X, player Y, if they were put in a certain opportunity to play with, you know, one of these highly skilled sentiment or another winger on their line, if they were put in a better opportunity, they would be able to show their skill set a little bit more. I mean, is that a re- that that's just my opinion from the outside looking in? It, but you just sort of yeah. mentioned it, you know, playing with a guy like Kessler. That's a real thing, though. When you get into a situation playing with a guy like that, that really can help you out and really help you to have a, a breakout year. I think if you have all the skills and you're put in the right situation, uh, you know it's, it's up to you to take advantage of it. And I find if you're if you're playing on a top line or a top two lines, you just even that extra three or four minutes a game on the ice, you get in that groove and you, uh, you know, you feel the confidence of the coaches putting in you. It just makes the game easier to play. You're not a uh, not worried about if you make a bad play, you're not going to get back out there or whatever. So I think situations are huge being able to get on a power play regularly, you know, you'll just get in, you'll get a bounce here or there. You'll get an extra point here or there that kind of gets you on a roll and you can uh, just kind of work with it. All right. uh, I guess to close it out here, your team again, um, four, four straight wins for the Anaheim Ducks. You have the most wins in hockey. Uh, it doesn't look like anybody in the Pacific Division is going to catch up to you. You guys get 91 points. The Canucks have 75 and then you get Calgary with 72 do you find yourself checking out the standings at all and looking down at the wild card teams? You got Winnipeg, Minnesota. You got L.A., uh, San Jose. Do, do you find yourself checking that out and maybe thinking about who you could face in the first round at this point of the season? Yeah, I think we've been. You kind of look at it uh, throughout the year, but 
the thing about the Western Conference I find is it doesn't matter if you finish first or eighth. It's going to be an absolute battle in that first round of playoffs. So it, there's not really a, an easy matchup you mm. can pick out of our conference at all. So, um, you know, it, to us, it's about finishing the year the right way and, you know, going into the playoffs on a roll and playing good, hard playoff hockey uh, as we head into the playoffs and, you know, just being prepared for that first stretch run here. All right, Matt. Uh, listen, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Once again, this segment brought to you by Violent Gentlemen. Uh, we're going to have Georgie Paros hook you up with some Violent Gentlemen gear uh, for joining the show today. Best of luck the rest of the season. Best of luck with the offseason, with everything that's going to be going on with you. And uh, we hope to talk to you again at some point in the future. All right. Sounds good, Danny. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> All right, there you have it, Matt Pileski. Special thanks to him. And once again, every Thursday, uh, this show brought to you by Violent Gentlemen. Closing it out here on this Thursday, March 5th, 2015. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going through NFL storylines this morning, and, and as I do every day, I go to ESPN.com. It's, 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 my, it's one of my go-tos um, for sports stories every morning, national stories. And uh, what I saw was a story that, that caught my eye because really it, it was the main story. You know how they have the headlines on the right, but they have the big picture right to the left of that, the, the main story, and you click on it. It's a picture of, it's a, picture of a guy, and, and you might not know who he is right away. It's a picture of a guy standing outside of a van with a frying pan, and it, look, it looks like scrambled eggs. But I can't really tell, and his van doors open, and it's a piece of shit van, too. It's not like a nice SUV or anything like that. Um, it's something that you'd see in, like, that 70s show. Remember that show? That was a good show. That's a good show. It's underrated. And maybe it's not underrated. Is it underrated? I don't know. Pete, what do you think? Is that 70s show underrated? Is it even rated? That's what I mean. <laughs> I don't know if people rate it or not. I, I think it's listen the people that did you, I did you watch it while it was that seventy show yeah like did no you watch I watched it? no I watched, watched the, the reruns I watched the reruns because yeah, they're on all the time that's what everybody does but 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 wait a minute when I watch the reruns they that's I can still rate that right well anyways it's yeah. a great show I don't know if it was good do enough. you not like it I just don't know yeah, it, like it. don't you think if it was good enough we would have watched it Mila while it was Kunis actually, while it was oh. actually on ooh Mila Kunis yeah she's nice yeah. Anyways, sorry. It looks like this van looks like something out of that 70s show. And the story catches your eye. And you read the headline. It's called, The Man in a Van. Uh, no, The Man in the Van. He throws 96. He's the Jays' number one prospect. He signed for millions. And he lives in a VW camper. Meet Daniel Norris, the most interesting pitcher in baseball. Now, I read this story. I read the whole thing. I read it multiple times, actually, just to try to check out to see if this is actually a real-life story. Um, but it is. And here's how I would change the headline, for, or the sub-headline, for the man in the van. Here's my version of it, okay, if I was writing this story. He throws 96. He's the Jays' number one prospect. He signed for millions. And he lives in a VW camper. Meet Daniel Norris, the most interesting pitcher in baseball and the biggest dickhead on the face of the earth. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right? 
Um, now you might be wondering, what, Danny, why, why would you call him a dickhead? Well, if you read the story, long story short, he's the Blue Jays' number one prospect, and really the sub-headline tells you everything. He throws 96, he signed for a couple million dollar signing bonus, and he's got pretty good stuff, as you can imagine. He's a millionaire professional athlete. And he lives in a fucking van, right? And not just that. He has all this money. He puts it into an account. He puts it into an account. And he has investors or whoever depart, take 800 a month and put it into his account because that comes out to full-time minimum wage. This guy owns one pair of fucking jeans, all right? Now, let me, to, to put this in a perspective here, I own one pair of fucking jeans, okay? But it's not because I want to own one pair of jeans. It's because that's all I can afford at this moment in time. So when I hear a story about a kid who makes a couple million dollars, has all the talent in the world, and is cashed in on that talent, and will probably, if he's as good as they're saying, is going to make even more money (laughs) than he's ever imagined, right? This guy with all this money, is living like he's living how people, some people have to live and would, if they had the choice, really choose not to. And that pisses me off. Because if you got, and look, I'm not one to sit here ever and tell people to, to you know, give advice with their money. But this story is, is, to me, this is a sick story. This is like, you know, if you have financial issues in your life, I, I tell you what. If you, if you don't want to be pissed off about something, then don't read this. Then don't read this story. Uh, let me, to, to set this thing up, let me, read the first, let me read the first paragraph of this thing. It says, The future of the Toronto Blue Jays wakes up in a 1978 Volkswagen camper behind the dumpsters at a Walmart, and he wonders if he has anything to eat. He rummages through a half-empty cooler until he finds a dozen eggs. I'm not sure about these, he says, removing three from the cotton, studying them, smelling them, and finally deciding it's safe to eat them. (laughs) While the the eggs cook on a portable stove, he begins the morning ritual of cleaning his van, pulling the contents of his life into the parking lot. Out comes a surfboard. Out comes a sub-zero sleeping bag. Out comes his only pair of jeans and his handwritten journals. A curious shopper stops to watch. Hiya, Daniel Norris says, waving as the customer walks away into the store. Norris turns back to his eggs. I've gotten used to people staring, he says. This is where Norris has chosen to live while he tries to win a job in the Blue Jays rotation, in a broken-down van parked under the blue fluorescent lights of a Walmart in the Florida suburbs. There. First off, I am 35 <laughs> years old, I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> it's true. He goes on to, it, this story goes on to say, um, there, in the van, every morning, is one of baseball's top-ranked prospects, doing pull-ups and resistance exercises on abandoned grocery carts. I mean, are you shitting me? Is this... Like, uh, come on. All right, it continues. 
There he is each evening making French press coffee and organic stir-fry on his portable stove. There he is his nu- There he is at night wearing a spelunking headlamp to go with his unkept beard, writing in his thought journal. I, this whole story is, the more I read it, like I, when you're reading it, right, you skip ahead to the next paragraph while it's like you can see the words like jumping off. You can see the words jumping off the screen on the next paragraph as you're finishing reading the previous paragraph. And, you know, store employees call him Van Man. Uh, they wonder, is he a runaway teen? Um, is he a new age wanderer lost on some spiritual quest? Uh, they scroll down a little bit lo- more. It goes, the truth is even stranger. The Van Man has a consistent 92-mile-an-hour fastball, a $2 million signing bonus, a deal with Nike, and a growing fan club. Yet, he has decided to best, he has decided the best way to prepare for the grind of a 162-game season is to live here in the back of a 1978 Westfalia camper he purchased for $10,000. The Van is his escape from the pressures of the major leagues, his way of dropping off the grid before a season in which his every movement will be measured, cataloged, and analyzed. Uh, it's like, that. I'm supposed to feel fucking bad for this kid. You know, the pressures of living up to the potential in Major League Baseball after you signed a $2 million signing bonus. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many people would take a $50,000 signing bonus? Just to, to pack groceries? Like, this story is so insane, and I read the whole thing, and, and you got to be careful because I'm waiting for, um, I'm waiting for the, for the part of this story where it says, like, you know, this kid had, you know, his life is kind of in shambles. Like, I'm waiting for this, like, good-feeling story of a kid who, you know, there was a lot of drama in his life and tragedy. I'm waiting for that, and I just can't find it. You scroll down, you see a picture of him shaving with a hatchet. They say he shaves with a hatchet. Look at the picture. It's insane. Now, some people might look at this guy and say, oh, he's nuts. This guy's just cuckoo. No, he's a dickhead. All right? That's all there is to it. When you have a $2 million signing bonus, right, and you're living like this, I'm not, I don't, I'm not praising you. I'm not, you're not being praised right now. I'm sorry. You know how many people are struggling in this world? There's people who who just want a a glass of water and can't get it, okay? I mean, we got freezing cold temperatures here in New England. You know how many homeless people are all over the streets, right? People who who live in a van that actually would prefer not to live in a van? People who have to cook scrambled eggs on a portable stove who would rather be in their kitchen in their home cooking scrambled eggs? People who actually would love to have the money to just purchase a fucking razor blade and shave properly. This guy, with a $2 million signing bonus, shaves with a hatchet, okay, lives in a van, and refuses to buy more than one pair of jeans and a $14 Converse t-shirt that he bought at the mall the day when he got his signing bonus that he went with his teammates who bought all this crazy shit and good for them. Good for them. Right? And what's he, gonna, what's he doing with the money? He's getting $800 a 
Look, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not somebody that you should actually listen to how to handle money because, to be honest, I don't have much of it at all to handle or spend, so I wouldn't know the first fucking thing about it. But I will tell you this. If I signed a $2 million signing bonus somewhere, I would buy a couple pairs of jeans. I would shave with razors that I bought at a store. I would live in a house. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) I would live in a home. Pete, am I overreacting to this? No, I'm right. With, I'm right there with uh, you, buddy. Uh, this is like I, I get it. He's trying to stay grounded. Oh, I, I, yeah. I see that part of it, but he's completely slapping humanity in the face. Absolutely. by fucking chilling Absolutely. in a van when he doesn't it's, have to. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. He doesn't want to be flashy. He's like this outdoor nature guy. He's never had a sip of alcohol. Had the same girlfriend his entire life. Um, but he shaves with a hatchet and he makes two million dollars and he has one pair of clothes and he. Co- I mean, look. The guy cooks in his camper. And look, you got to check out the picture of the camper, too. It's a piece of it's shit. A, it's a rape van. What is, yeah, what is going on? You got to like, check. It's like this guy, you know, when you're playing street hockey as a kid, uh, you know, on the street, and like a shady van would drive up the street, and like everybody runs in the house. Like if Daniel Norris drives up 3rd Street when, we were, when I was a kid, I'm in the fucking house in about two seconds. That's how this guy's living. Uh... And, he, and, and, you know, there are a lot of people that, and, and to get away from the creepiness of it for a minute, <laughs> let's just, again, talk about, God, you know, there are people who actually do have to live like this that don't want to. There is not one person that has to live similar to the way Daniel Norris is living. There's not one person that has to live like that that wants to. Not one. So when I see somebody choose to live like that, when they got a couple mil in the bank, and by the way, let, let's, let's, let's be a little bit more realistic. He's got all this money. It's not like, sure, he doesn't want to buy razor blades. He doesn't want to buy a real car. He doesn't want to live in a, in a house. Um, he doesn't want to buy more than one pair of jeans. He doesn't want to buy more than one T-shirt. He doesn't want to read from a Kindle. He'd rather read a hardcover book that he uh, you know, probably... Uh, found in the bottom of a trash barrel somewhere behind a Walmart. Um, But at the same time, he's willing to have somebody put $800 into his account every month so that he's living like uh, somebody uh, who has a minimum wage full-time job. Oh, aren't you nice? No, you're not nice, and you're not the most interesting pitcher in baseball. You're a fucking dickhead, okay? If I had $2 million... I, I'm sorry. You can't. You know, there are a lot of people who would do a lot better stuff with that money. Now, do I see anything in this story? Again, I'm looking, and I don't necessarily see that. Uh, well, here is here is Daniel Norris, and he's accepting eight hundred dollars a month. And hey, he's also putting a couple grand a month into a certain charity, or giving it to homeless people, or helping people who have. It's one thing if he was taking other money. And helping people who have to live like this? That's a different story. That's somebody that's trying to help the world out. Is this guy trying to help the world out? What's he doing? What are you doing here? What's the point of this? And why is this the top story on ESPN? It's like they're trying to make us feel bad for like this it's, guy. That's what I get. I, I read the story. I don't story. feel bad for this guy. I don't guy. feel bad for this guy at all. But it's almost as if... I don't like again, this guy. Again, I don't like him either. It's almost as if they want us to feel bad for him or that we... 
They would be like, we should, like, we should feel bad for Daniel Norris. Like, this is how he lives. He chooses to live like this because the pressures of Major League Baseball are so strong. I'm sorry. I woke up with some pressure today. You know what it is? I fucking owe Sally Mae 350 bucks in a couple days, and I don't have it to give him. And you know what happens when I don't give him it? They don't stop calling. Sally Mae doesn't stop calling. They don't ever stop calling. You know? And when you talk to them, it's like, <laughs> there's, not, there's nothing that you can say to them that, that makes sense in their head. So, uh, please. I, 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 don't, I read the story, and, and I, had to, I had to say something about it because it pissed me off. And I don't know. In fact, I do know. The goal of them writing the story, the goal of him telling the story is, is, to, is, is to not... Their goal is not for people to get mad, I don't think. But because that was not their goal, I feel like they should know that that's actually what they accomplished in this. I'm upset. Now, wouldn't it? Wouldn't I'm it make upset a, with reading. This wouldn't story. it make a lot more sense if maybe he donated the money to somebody or helped out some families in need or something? Wouldn't that? Well, that's what I was saying. That make sense in in a way like. And, and you know that, what? Then they would promote hey, that. Look, maybe he does. Hey, yeah, we don't know. I know we, we don't. Know. We don't know. But I would like to think that that would be in the story. That's what I'm getting at, exactly. Yeah, I'd like to think, and that's not. I mean, unless I missed something, it's just about him living in a van, cooking hey, scrambled a, eggs a great, on a fucking fake stove. <laughs> there's a great part where he pulls into the player's parking lot, squeezing in amongst all the luxury sports cars and tinted SUVs. He sits in the back of the van to heat water for coffee. A few Blue Jays stop by on their way into the facility and watch Norris fiddle with the stove. The pilot doesn't seem to be working. The water is still cold. This is the best spot. Marcus Stroman rolls up. <laughs> Quote, why don't you just, like, go go get something normal to eat, man? <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just picture these guys, like, rolling up next to him and being like, yeah. dude, you, you got yeah. $2 million in the bank. Yeah. There's free coffee you indoors. Know, there's, there's professional <laughs> athletes. I will never blame a pro athlete for going out and getting the money. I'll never blame an athlete for going out and getting as much money as he possibly can. I absolutely will never do it. I'm not. I don't ever call people um, selfish when it comes to you know things that they ask for or testing free agency and holding out and contract disputes. I absolutely never blame the player. I never do. Uh, but part of that thought process is that these guys deserve this money, and because they get this money and they've earned the money when they get it. I think there's obviously a lot of people who would like to, to receive that type of money. And there's a lot of people that would like to take that money and not live the way that Daniel Norris seems to be living. Okay? So, I just got to get that off my chest, that this story pissed me off. Daniel Norris, I, I, I've, never, I've never talked to him. Um, who knows? May, maybe at some point... Uh, who knows? Maybe he pitches in Boston at some point. I, in his career, maybe, I have no idea. Maybe he's in the studio. Maybe you know? you maybe he comes know. in the studio and explains himself. Yeah. Maybe he rolls up in his fucking minivan out front and uh, you know makes some scrambled eggs for the for the boys in here. I have no idea. <laughs> but um, I love how he inspects the eggs too to make sure they're okay. Yeah. What's he like? Hold on. I'll take some older ones. Keep the new ones for the for the people. <laughs> you out see front. the picture of him shaving with a hatchet? Yeah. The hatchet, that hatchet looks pretty intense. So it looks like a, uh, a luxury hatchet. 
Yeah. It doesn't look like one he just, you know, found in the back shed. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice polo with the hat. He's got two there. I mean, what, what's, again. That's what I'm saying. He's got a lot. Like, look at the look at the hatchet. It's got a nice, yeah. you know. No, I don't feel bad. I He's promo- I, He's got a nice watch on. I don't feel bad for this yeah, guy. this dude's. Yeah, he's full of shit. Trying to be the man's he's man, full of you know? Shit. He's full of shit. And we had to, I had to get that off my chest because I, I don't think their goal was to piss people off, but right. I just want to let you know that this story pissed me but off. But wouldn't you think that this guy, if he was really like this, mm. if this was his, you know, his mindset where he's going to live like this and go about this, go about life this way after having $2 million in the bank right mm-hmm. away, that he wouldn't want this out there. He wouldn't want people to, he wouldn't, he wouldn't okay this with ESPN. Why would he want everybody to know this? Yeah. I, you know it, what I mean? It like, sort it of has like, hey, it, it has like a... It has like a hey, look at me exactly. feel. Right. And I think that's wrong because, as I said, there are a lot of people who have to live like this right. who would absolutely choose not to. All right. And, and for people that they see choosing to live like this, they don't want them to be, you know, flashing their blankets, calling ESPN and say, hey, look at me. Here I am. And by the way, um, I got a couple mil in the bank and I'm just going to have them deposit 800 a month for me. You know, just give me a, just give me 800. It's good. I'm still going to live like this. That's fine. Bullshit. Sorry, had to get that off my chest. I'm here five days a week. Make sure you listen at dannypicard.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook. Special thanks to Matt Bolesky, who is due for a new contract this offseason. I'll guarantee you this. He's going to get paid. And he ain't going to be living in a van down by the river. All right? It's not going to happen. I don't have much money, but I'm not going to ever be living in a van down by the river either. That's just not going to happen. So, Daniel Norris, I guess best of luck to your major league career. I just hope at some point you snap out of this. Buy yourself yourself a real stove and a real house and even a real car. And you know what? On top of that, maybe another pair of jeans too. I could use another pair of jeans. I wish I had the money to go to go buy a pair. Okay. We don't have that here. DannyPicard.com, five days a week. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.